0: G'day and welcome to Season 2 of Harvestable by Agri-Digital. Our 8-part mini-series will feature raw and unedited fireside chats with some of agriculture's most insightful minds, sharing their perspectives across the grain supply chain. In this episode, we are joined by Nathan Cattle, Managing Director of Clear Grain Exchange.
1: So welcome to another edition of Harvestable, and today uh, I've got Nathan Cattle from uh, the Clear Grain Exchange (CGX). Um, my name's Ben Reed. I'm the co-founder of AgriDigital, and yeah, it's great to have Nathan with us today. How are you, Nathan? Good, thanks. Thanks for the invitation. Very good. And I guess just for yeah, for the benefit of everyone, if you just want to yeah, state your your title with the business, and yeah, give us a bit of background on yourself and, and what 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 uh, Clear Grain is. Uh,
0: I'm the managing director of Clear Grain Exchange. Um, in terms of my background, uh, I'm from Lake King, a little country town in Western Australia, 500 km southeast of Perth. Um, our farm bordered the Rubbree fence, to give you an idea of the location. Um, and I think that's always an important way I like to introduce myself because I think that instills a fair bit of my. Um, background and who i am today it was very much an upbringing of it is what you make it a great community really strong community values and um yeah you know you got to make your own fun um so that was sort of my childhood um i uh schooling and university in perth um always regional focused um through my holidays and then uh my first job in the grain space was in uh, consulting at the time of deregulation in the wheat market uh, in Australia. So that was the deregulation was happening. I could sort of see that as I was coming out of uni and I thought, well, growers are going to need to be helped, you know, through this transition um, to new skill sets. So that was an exciting area to go into and initially been um, it was quite a new industry at the time, you know, people didn't really know what service to provide growers initially. Um, so we were able to develop what that service looked like, um, bring on clients. And then uh, I moved to Melbourne with my now wife, uh, she's a neuropsychologist uh, and I was trading grain over there and then NZX, who run the New Zealand Stock Exchange, asked me to come and work for them. Uh, and mate, i ran their data and analytics business before running their mar- their markets business and ultimately running, you know, their investments in Australia. Um, and now yeah, before we privatized Clear Grain Exchange away from NZX and um mate, it's yeah, it's sort of been pretty full on ever since.
1: Yep, I can imagine. I uh... I actually—I'm not sure if I've actually told you this story, but but I um, many years ago I worked for a business called Ag Farm, and Ag Farm was a broking business, and I actually traded via a, a farmer. At, I'll never forget it, Canamble, David Taylor. Bit of a plug for David, he was listening. Um, traded the first tons through the Clear Grain Exchange back in—I can't remember right. what year year it was, but uh, yeah, it was some. I think it was some H2 at Canambul Grain Corp. So that was the. Uh, um, yep still remember it nice and yeah but in
0: terms of the clear grain exchange story so i haven't been part of it um right from the outset but uh, obviously some founders of um agridigital were part of the real initial story along with a number of other entrepreneurs and so it was a full-on startup uh, you tell me but um back in 2008 so again well before my time with the business NZX boarded in 2009 um, and ran it until December 2016. Um, and I started running Clear Grain Exchange along with Pro Farmer and Australian Crop Forecasters for NZX um, for a number of years, well, a couple of years um before uh we ended up buying the assets. I say we myself, my wife ended up buying the assets of Clear Grant Exchange off the NZX. Um and yeah, as I say, my now elders own thirty percent of the business. Um Charlie Sullivan, who's our operations director, is also a shareholder in the business. And you know, the journey I think um is a lot of the time we've had it is trying to get the industry to understand who the exchange is and who it isn't as well. You know, we're not a buyer, we're not a seller, and we're not a agent or advisor of grain, but we're an exchange that helps buyers and sellers come together and find a price to trade at. Um, yeah, mate, the journey's been full on. I remember pitching the idea to my wife when I said we'd like to, Know because we moved to Melbourne thinking we'd be there for one or two years and it turned into uh eight years in the end. And I reckon five of those years, my wife was so she's from Cogent up here in the west, uh, country town. And I think for five of those years, then she was basically ready to move home. (laughs) Um, yeah, so I thought, yeah, so part of the motivation of uh taking the plunge and and buying clear grain exchange. Was um, to carve something out for us to move back home, uh, and I remember the pitch. I said, "Look, Di, if you back me for three years here in Melbourne, I think in three years we can be in a position to move back to Western Australia with the business." And that's a, that's essentially how it's turned out, Ben. But not without a lot of work in between, as I'm sure you can appreciate as well.
1: Yep, I can. Love, uh, i I work remote from my farm in uh, Young in New South Wales, and head offices in sydney so not quite as far from where you are in uh, wa back to, to head office in melbourne for clear but yeah it's uh, it's it's all possible today with remote working It um, times have changed
0: yeah in saying that the um the COVID, it's a lot of people you know we moved back just before COVID happened and a lot of people say geez you're lucky to have gotten out of melbourne just before that happened and we were there's no doubt about it but it and I think we were really well set up for the first six months, uh well six to eight months, if you like, of COVID in terms of working from home and everybody with a lot of trust mechanisms and yeah, you know, the training and the uh the measurables and everybody understood their roles and what we're doing. But it did become a lot challenging like the longer COVID drew on. Um and as we continued to build our business. Uh, and recruit more people and bring new people into the business. We just found the distance a lot more challenging. And actually, you know, a big part of what our employees or what our teammates seems to like about working with us is the office environment. So we have a healthy mix. I think now of working from home and the office, uh, and uh, but a bit of office time, I think is really healthy. You know, for that culture and behaviours and who we are as a as a business.
1: Yep, there's no doubt about that. A mix a mix of the two is good. So, Nathan, a couple of questions, I guess, that popped to mind there. One is, um, I guess, you know, order, particular order, what's the single greatest point of difference, I guess, for clear, for sellers and buyers of grain? And then I wouldn't mind also just sort of delving into, you know, the, the running of the business, getting outside investment in, you know, needing cash to grow a business you know, the, 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 as you said, the true startup style. Um, yeah. So I know they're two separate type questions, but we'd be good to understand. Yeah. The, the, the key point of difference. And then how you've gone about bringing investors in.
0: Yeah. So uh point of difference or what we do, if you like, we're an independent exchange and what that means is uh, I think, you know, the lessons from being under or working with Interdex and operating under Interdex, they were really strong on what it feels to run an exchange, you know, and that was there can't be any underlying bias in the market. Um, So you can't have, you can't be a potential buyer or a potential seller or a potential advisor giving a viewpoint of the market. You need to be completely impartial. Um, and then that's from that starting point drives all the core logic of the tech. So, you know, logic like first in, first out, market open hours, um, you know, all of this stuff that makes up the tech stack and the way the market operates is integral to giving it that ability to allow as many buyers as possible to try and buy, grow a grant. Um, so, and then with that, obviously, at the secure settlements are part of that as well. So for every trade that goes through the exchange, you know, growers retain title of grain until they're paid and buyers retain title of funds until they receive the grain. And that's an important um, it's an important piece of the whole puzzle, if you like, that makes up what an independent exchange is about. Um, and like I say, mate, is the whole intent is to help buyers find sellers, sellers find buyers, and for them to reach a price point for it to trade. Uh, If there's any underlying bias or conflict in that, then the pricing point uh, can ultimately be, um, be impacted by that, you know? So so that sort of is core to us. You know, everything we talk about internally, it's all those core values to maintain that impartiality. in in the market. In saying that, mate, we see our role as well to disseminate market information. So it's not to have a view on it, but you'd see, you might see it in the rural press or via um, social media or our own blogs. We will be quite active in disseminating price information. So, uh, you know, I think it's healthy for a West Australian grower to know what prices are trading at in New South Wales as an example, Um, you know, and if they understand the dynamics of whether the grain's moving out, you know, out through the ports or whether it's being used for domestic purposes, then they can make those associations of where fair value is for them or likewise where a CNF trade might be happening offshore or where FOB values might be offered. I think that's all still important price points for the market to understand and then come up with their own uh, Acetations as to what the price should be, you know, I and mean, it's up to them to put the bid and offer in into the market. But um,
1: yeah, which plays into that shelf. independence, plays into that independence piece you're talking about there before, and you know, no doubt the the ability for sellers and buyers to transparently see where grain is trading at in you know real time on a daily basis is um, is what you're delivering there, which is great. And, and as you say, that, that that settlement, that secure settlement. Uh, piece to remove any um, issue around payment. Yeah,
0: just, um, you know, otherwise payment terms become another differentiator. But, you know, what's core to us, I mean, I mentioned I grew up in Lake King, the Espin's port zone in WA, and often that port zone, the price would end up trading at a big discount to Kwinana, you know, a lot larger discount than what the freight natural freight spread would be. Um, and what was going on there was because buyers would start, would stop participating down in that port zone. So the whole, so it's a good example there of market failure at the time, by the way, right today, those roles are reversed, actually trading at a, at a premium to Quinana because of the supply chain and other dynamics going on. But yeah. the point is that was a huge motivator for me in saying, well, you know, there's market failure here. So address that let's create a more liquid market let's make it easier for as many buyers as possible to participate in trying to buy Aussie grain and the other side of that is for growers like growers have growers can influence that directly by putting their grain up on offer and so every buyer can see it and then try and buy it it draws more buyers into their market so they have – it's giving them an opportunity to send a clear price signal to the market. Um, so anyway, mate, that's sort of a bit of the motivation behind it and a long-winded answer to your point of difference question, if you like.
1: Yeah, no, that's good. Um, no, well, it's, uh, it's as I said, it's something that I know reasonably well, but I guess those who aren't familiar with the uh, the – with the exchange that's a yeah, really good description and, and I guess the, the, the second question I had there was the, the outside investment you talked about you know elders for example being a 30% shareholder you know why elders how elders and, and what, what you know what have elders done for the exchange and for you
0: yeah um, mate I was very fortunate here so we um, we've always taken a So, you mentioned, you know, startup and then the investment cycle. I'd classify us as as at scale up stage rather than startup now. Like the the product was proven and it was proven to a large extent before I came on board. But I think it was misunderstood. You know, I think it was um, uh, agents potentially or agents or brokers potentially saw it as a competitor to them. Um, some of the buyers were a bit unsure about it. So we've done a lot of work to sort of explain that there's clear value in every, for every market participant by having a more efficient market, um, and what that is and the fact that we are never, you know, we're never, we're never going to be a buyer, seller or advisor of grain. This is a tool for them to use. Um, so what did El, so the way, the reason I say that, mate, is because we've always grown, we've taken an approach to grow within our means, so to speak. So we've always um, aimed and have achieved positive EBIT throughout the, um, throughout the journey, you know, whether or not that's been the right approach as opposed to foregoing possibly some growth. Um along the journey is something we've always balanced up, but that's the approach we've taken and and still been able to achieve uh, growth that we've been comfortable with. Um, but mate, in terms of the elders' investment, particularly, uh, that that wasn't something we were looking for at the time. That was more an approach. Um, and it has been a, hel- a really healthy arrangement for us. There was a lot of, I'd say, mature and healthy um, conversation around why the fit. Um, and for us, an investor in the business really had to bring value. So what Elders have brought for us, if you like, is a network um, that allows us to understand goodwill and connection with growers. Um, it probably brings a level of good, um, I credibility into the industry um and seriousness. Uh, but ultimately, mate, they've been a fantastic shareholder. I mean, they're very they are a minority shareholder. Um, that means, you know, they don't get a say in the day-to-day operations of the business. They're very hands-off and and passive. However, support in trying to help us get a footprint around Australia via the network. Oh, yeah. So it's it has been a really um, yeah mate we've been very fortunate there um, Ben and um, yeah mate that's sort of where we're at. That's
1: good and and probably we could talk all day, but probably the last last question I've got for you, and you don't have to necessarily answer it, uh, or you can answer it in the, in the way you see best fit, but. I guess there's, well, certainly I know in the digital journey for us, there's been, um, you know, there's been highs and lows and trials and tribulations. Um, I think we're seven years in now. And so we're, we're past the the um, the sort of the, the wobbly five year mark where a lot of businesses either succeed or fail. Um, so I'm sure we're hopefully we're here for, for the long haul. But I guess clear seems to be now, as you say, you're at the point of scale up now, I guess, you know, in the earlier days when you were there and i guess you took that leap of faith to buy the business initially before elders came in bo- on board were there some moments there where you thought why why did i do this <laughs> yeah definitely right so um yeah i mean that's you
0: hear this on so many podcasts and i don't want it to be a cliche you know you listen to startups and entrepreneurial <laughs> podcasts i don't claim to be anything like that but you know it's about that investment and core belief in what you're doing because mate there is as you know there are extremely long nights um I mean I was up till midnight on on the Friday just gone as an example that's not uncommon you know um so it does impact your personal life and really my my life's been all consumed by the business and I've got a young family, two young kids So that's been the priority you know i'm the worst mate in the world um but that's balance is starting to get better now so certainly in the early days i mean that was part of the pitch to diet it and that's why i say you know it's always been a wee effort um she's had to back me it's taken me away from family life and other things that we would have done uh we were lucky in the sense that we we went, we pushed really hard in that first year, um, and I think had a pretty good first year. And, and then the elders sort of thing came pretty shortly after as well. So things sort of came along quite quickly, but then we went through the drought period on the East Coast when at the core of our business was New South Wales and Victoria, you know, we're in the heart of the drought. And obviously the drought went for two years in New South Wales. I mean, part of our to move WA in South Australia, like, yeah, so I bought the business in December 16, that harvest was quickly followed by two droughts. Uh, but part of it, as I say, the pitch to my wife was, okay, well, we're doing this to to grow it best and grow it in South Australia. And that was obviously to create a more resilient business. Um, and obviously, I'd a to get home. So, mate, um, yeah, there's plenty of long nights in it. There's plenty of really early mornings. That's often when I like to get in the office to, you know, catch up on things in the office at 5 a.m. to get three or four hours out before the staff really come in. Um, but mate, if you're enjoying
1: what you're doing, you're motivated by it. If you put yep. the effort in, you'll generally be okay. Sure is, and there's nothing truer than uh, you can't control droughts. And uh, and yeah, l- lower lower volumes of grain in droughts obviously doesn't help an exchange, and it. A lot of businesses don't like to upgrade their software in uh, in the middle of a drought either. So it's um, we went we went through the same same um the same period and uh, yeah we've broken through the other side and a few good years under our belt now, which is um which has been significantly better. So I, yeah, appreciate you being with us today. Uh, it's been great to chat and yeah, we look forward to seeing the the CGX the exchange continue to grow and. Um, yeah we look forward to um you know working i guess ag tech companies like ours you know there's there's great opportunities for us to work together to make you know supply chains more efficient and um we've got sort of plans for that in the years ahead or year ahead which is going to be really good so um look forward to, to working with you collaborating with you and uh yeah thanks for your time
0: yeah likewise ben and um mate good luck to you guys at AgriDigital and all your listeners for the harvest. It's a challenging harvest, but hopefully it works out okay. Thank you for listening to Harvestable by AgriDigital. We hope you enjoyed this fireside chat and see you next week for another episode.